into our scripture reading for today, which comes from Luke chapter 8. We're going to read verses 8 through 15. Uh, and it, it's going to be in the ESV. Uh, we will project uh, the scripture uh, behind me. And for those at home, it'll appear on your screen. But I know it's sometimes kind of hard to read, so you may want to look this up on your own. If you have an ESV Bible, there are some ESV Bibles uh, under the pews if you're here in person. Uh, or if you have your own Bible or Bible app. Um, and uh, we ask that uh, if you feel comfortable doing this at home, you're more than welcome to join us. But if you're joining us here in person, if you could please stand as able once you are ready uh, for the reading of God's word today. Again, it's Luke chapter 8, verses 8 through 15. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, today's message, we're continuing in our our sermon series, Deep, what it means to go deep in Christ and for the word of God, for the spirit of God to go deep into our lives. And we have been using uh, the parable of the sower and the seed as our overarching metaphor for the semester. And, um, you know, we, we have read it the last couple of weeks, but uh, we're going to really focus on it this week. And so, um, you know, there's aspects of it that I think we covered pretty well. Um, but the, 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 our heart's desire, and I hope it is yours, I hope that as you've been joining us the past few weeks, if you've been here before, and even if you haven't, I, I really hope that your heart is stirred, that you want to be the hundredfold soil. You want to be the land that produces so much fruit, where life is springing out of you. You want to have, uh, like the woman at the well, uh, the water, uh, the living water that's springing out, like springs, you know? It's not a well that dries up, but it's just ever flowing, ever just, yeah, that living, resuscitating water. And friends, you know, for a lot of us in this world, man, we have been so dry. We've been so thirsty. I really believe that. That that is the heart's cry of this generation. There are so many people who are just spiritually starved and thirsty. We want something real, something beyond politics, something beyond uh, just, you know, some of the, the, the dead religion that we've been offered in the past. We want something that goes beyond commercialism, beyond just the things that we have been offered in the American dream. It's never going to be enough. And the answer has been uh, in front of us the whole time, but... In many ways, friends, we know the answer, but the answer hasn't gone deep enough. And so that's what we want to talk about today. And so I just want to start, and we're going to pick up on the tail end of the parable before Jesus explains it, where he just says, 
And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Amen. I, I hope that can be all of us. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So friends, I, I have to ask the question, as Jesus is saying, Those who have ears, let them hear. And I got to say, probably for 99.99999% of the people Jesus was talking to, they all had ears, right? So if you have ears, let them hear, right? Sometimes I hear people preach on this passage and they're like, oh, it's just faded. Some people, you're just not going to be able to hear, right? I don't know. Jesus says, if you have ears, let them hear, right? And so we all have that capacity, I think but not all of us do, right? And that's very clear. There's a lot of people who can't hear what Jesus, what God is trying to communicate with us. And so the question is, why can't you hear? Um, Apparently, I think this came from like an interview that uh, Tom Hanks had on the red carpet and people thought he was being rude and they're like, dude, he just couldn't hear you, right? It, It just was loud, right? And friends, why can't we hear? Maybe it's because it's loud, And I have to say that in this world, uh, it's really noisy. Man, there's just so many things going on all the time. We're getting input from so many things. You know, you, you probably have heard me say this before, but I just find it astounding that every one of us has a supercomputer in our pockets, right? And that I was told that the amount of information that we're privy to is more than uh, presidents from Clinton and before ever had access to. It's insane how much information is coming through. And not just information, but I think you guys know this, that your phones are designed to bother you. They're designed to get your attention, right? Would you like to enable notifications? Would you like us to inform you of the newest information and promotions and discounts? And it's like, uh, no, <laughs> there's so many. Ding, ding, ding. Do you guys ever hear that, that ding notification on someone else's phone and it makes you nervous? It's like a Pavlovian re- response. I just start sweating. I hear someone's uh, phone's ding and I'm like, ah, you know, and that's the world we live in. It's so noisy. There's so much going on, right? It's not just noise, but it is noise, right? I think one of the reasons why I can't hear sometimes is because of my AirPods. I always have them in now. Right, and uh, there's so many times where um, you know my kids are trying to talk to me or my wife, and um, you know they'll be like, oh, 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 oh. that's what it sounds like in my AirPods, and you know that's not what they sound like, but because I I, I can't hear very well, you know, and I'm like, what? I'm sorry, and you got to take it out because there's something physically in my ears, and if you have something blocking your ears, you're not going to be able to hear, and I know. On some level, that's literal, right? We can't hear because it's so noisy. But on a spiritual level, friends, I think that's also true. I think that spiritually, we are clogged up by so much noise that we're hearing. And there were people back then who could not hear because I think there were messages that they heard before. There were ways of thinking that they had before. They had traditions They had teaching. They had become set in their ways. It was like concrete. And they literally couldn't hear a new word. Jesus would come and speak, and he would come and speak to the Pharisees, and all they would hear is like, 
Are you challenging our power? And they're like, no, 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 no. We're not even going to settle. We're not even going to sit for this, right? And it wasn't even a question of, is it true? It was, we don't like this, right? We don't like this because it challenges the status quo, because it rocks the boat. So we're going to kill you, right? Rather than listen to you, right? And Jesus is like, we all have ears, but not everyone's hearing, right? And in this world and in our lives that are so noisy, Man, there's so much going on. And so, friends, let's take a look at the explanation for why uh, some of the soil is successful and, and just yields so much fruit and why some doesn't. And so uh, the first part, we're not going to go into much detail with this because we have in past weeks. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. We talked about that last week, what it means uh, when we say the word of God. And in many ways, what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to get his spirit within you, the spirit of the living Christ to live within you, right? And so you're not just hearing words just like you would hear a lecture or get information from a book, but truly those words will become a part of you, right? The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And and this is what we're really going to focus on today. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for the, the, the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. We mentioned this before briefly, but I just want to touch on this again to explain what is the difference with the good soil and the other soils? What's the difference? In some ways, the soil is very similar. One's got rocks in it, though. Another one has thorns in it. And the other soil, it's just soil. It doesn't have that other stuff. So what happens when a seed goes into that good soil? It goes in deep, right? Why? There's no rocks. There's no rocks that are keeping it from going down deep. There's no thorns that are choking out the seed, as it says, that even when it starts to grow, like like it can't grow that much, right? Because the thorns are in the way. There's nothing blocking it. It just, right, the seed goes in. I just imagine, like, really good soil, I don't know if you guys have ever done any farming or help with gardening, and you get, like, really good loamy soil, and you just pick up that soil, and it just will, like, sift through your fingers, right? Because it doesn't got rocks. It doesn't have pebbles. It doesn't have chunks in it, right? It's just really soft. And, and so, like, you, you put that seed in, and I almost imagine just, like, Kobe, right? You just throw the seed in, and it just, poof, and just goes down deep right? Nothing blocking it. And then when it goes down to the, 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 the depth that it needs to go, right? And you let the seed decide that, right? Not the soil. The soil is just, just there. And the soil just parts its way for the seed, and, and the seed will go down as far as it needs to go, and then just sit there. And then what? The seed will do its thing. Once the seed is there, It will do its thing as long as it doesn't get disturbed. If it can go deep enough, and if it doesn't get disturbed by other things, it will grow. What does this look like for us? So for us, if we can get the spirit of Christ within us, then we can grow, right? Now, this is the thing, friends. 
What I want to share with you, I think, is a very different way of thinking about spirituality than the way I normally think of it. And maybe for some of you, you can relate. Because really, when you hear about the parable of the sower and the seed, and you think about what is your role in this, you know what your role is? Keep the soil clear. And basically, get out of the Holy Spirit's way. If you can do that, and if you can just hold the seed within you, the growth will happen automatically. It's astounding how many times Jesus and throughout the Bible, even in the Psalms, right, that the one who meditates on on the law of the Lord day and night is like a tree planted next to streams, right, and bears its fruit in season. How much of it, it's just this idea of planting and farming. And you just get the seed there and you wait and you don't disturb it and you don't mess it up. Right? And I wonder if some of us, this is actually how we think about our spirituality, right? We look at the seed and we're like, why aren't you growing fast enough? And we look at it and you don't see anything. Once the seed goes in, right? It's not very exciting. You actually don't see anything. And some of us are like, it's not working. It's not working. And so we want to dig up the seed, right? And maybe the seed actually did start to sprout something beneath the surface. And then we start to pull it out. And we're like, okay, grow, grow, grow. And we're just like adding stuff on it. And we're just trying to get it out of the ground. Can you relate? Can you relate? I feel like some of us, in a weird way, I know this is going to sound weird because I feel like for me, at least the spirituality I heard was this, like, try harder, do more, pray more, read more, go to church more, serve more, 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 do more, do, do, do. And, and I think it's the equivalent of just trying to force the seed to grow. Whereas the picture that Jesus paints is so different. It's like, hey, just focus, you keep the weeds clear, right? Just, just remove those rocks, and it'll go in by itself, Right? And the Holy Spirit doesn't need your help for that growth. Because the Holy Spirit is more powerful than your spirit. Did you know that? It's a Holy Spirit. It's a set-aside spirit. It's in a different class and category. It's S-tier spirit, right? It is like, like so far supreme above any of our spirits. Our spirits are feeble. We try to grow. We try to make things happen. We try to use our willpower. It only gets you so far, right? Have you tried to grow without the spirit of Christ? Now, I think for a lot of us, that's hard to admit because we're like, well, Pastor Steve, how do I know? I mean, doesn't God ask us, to, ask us to do things, right? Don't I have a part to play in this? Absolutely. But if our action is this kind of anxious action where we think it depends on us, like I got to do this. If I don't do this, if I don't pray, if I don't read the Bible, if I don't do this thing, and, and this, it's this kind of like frenetic, frantic energy, like it depends on me. If I don't do it, then the seed won't grow. And I really don't think that's the way God thinks of it, right? God is going to do the heavy lifting. God knows how to grow the seed perfectly well. Your job is to keep the soil clear, right? What are the things that are getting in the way? So let's just go back, right? So it it, it says, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. So it starts to grow, but they have no root, right? And so it's rocky soil. And so it can't go down deep, right? And they believe for a while. And in a time of testing, 
it falls away. So the seed has not been able to go deep enough, right? And so times of testing will reveal that, right? And so, friends, why doesn't it go deep enough? I mean, I think there can be a lot of reasons for that. Is it the testing itself that causes it? Well, I will say, friends, no matter what you do in life, and I know some of the holiest people, some of, some of the, 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 the most spiritually-minded people, that, at least that I have met, also go through trials, <laughs> also go through troubles. It's not just about the testing. But if our root can go really deep, then you will be able to withstand it. But the problem is, is that many of us in this world, we don't allow the roots to go very deep, right? We, we, we start planting the seed, and then there's something getting in the way, right? Something is crowding that out. And we're just like, good enough, good enough. And then you start to see a little growth. You're like, see, see, it's growing, right? But Jesus says, the way you'll know whether or not it went down deep is in a time of testing. Do you fall away? If you start to fall away, your roots did not go deep enough, right? It doesn't mean you're doomed. It just means you got some work to do, or you need to allow the Holy Spirit to do work that goes deeper. And part of our job is to learn how to do that, how to get that word, how to get that spirit deeper. Right? And then, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, what does that mean? As they live their lives, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruits does not mature. It's so interesting the language that Jesus uses here, right? For the cares and riches and stuff of life, just all the stuff happening in your life. He says, it chokes out the word. It chokes out the word. Now, friends, by the way, there have been a lot of, you know, people of God, people who follow Christ faithfully, who've had many things going on in their lives. They've had pleasures. They've had things that were enjoyable. They've had uh, concerns and worries and jobs and all those kinds of things. But it didn't choke out the word, right? But in many ways, there is something about letting these cares go down deep into your soil. What is the soil? It is your heart, but even more than that, what we are trying to touch upon, if we can go deep enough, is something that we call your soul, the deepest part of you, right? And this is where all of that stuff meets, body, mind, spirit, uh, your heart, all of the things are your soul. It is the most sacred part of you, right? And this is the thing. There's some things that we start letting seep down into our heart and we get so worried about it and we get so preoccupied with it and we focus on it so much that it starts to go down deep into the heart. It's not just at the surface, right? So this is the thing. What if the thorns were at the surface? Is it going to choke the seed? Well, it will if the seed gets out enough. But if the thorns go beneath the surface, this is where we're really in trouble. If it's above the surface, you you, you can get in there, weed whacker, right? You you can clear out those thorns, right? Easy. You're done, right? And you got to clear them out before you start seeing the fruit. Once it starts growing, then it will get choked out. So before that happens, you got to clear it out, right? So what does that mean? I think what that means is there is a lot of stuff that concerns us, that worries us, and it's not the doing of the stuff or that the stuff is happening to you because that's going to happen no matter what, right? You might have something happen to you and it's going to be the exact same thing that happens to someone who's more advanced in their spiritual life, 
right? Same thing, same traffic jam, same annoying coworker, right? Same family problems, same uh, stresses with school, right? All of those same things are the same, but how you take it and how deep it goes into your heart is going to be different. Does that make sense? So if you have a surface level concern or problem, then we need to remove that, right? Get the weed whacker and let go of it before it can go down deep, right? We got to learn how to clear these things out, right? And so, friends, you know, I I have to say that um, I've been thinking about what does it mean, uh, you know, if the seed truly is the Holy Spirit, how do we get it in here? And, and, and there is a great tradition in the Christian faith. And I have to say, I'll, I'll try to explain this. There's some teaching that has tried to counteract this, but there is language that, that just many people have used. And I'm going to try to explain and nuance it a little bit in case you have been in a church where they don't like this language. So in particular, there's actually a praise song we sing all the time that I think is very good in terms of us understanding how do we get the Holy Spirit in here? Do you guys know that song, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, you are. You guys know the song. It's right up here. (laughs) You are welcome here. Come flood this place and change the atmosphere. Now, there's some people are like, Pastor Steve, the Holy Spirit is always present you cannot ask the Holy Spirit to come. It's already here. I'm, I don't know why I did that mocking voice. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to make fun. But it's true. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. But the problem is the Holy Spirit may not be welcome here. Does that make sense? Right? So we talk about, uh, uh, I've heard people talk about the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit is always present. Right? Holy Spirit is closer than the air you breathe. It's not far. It's not way up in heaven. It already has been unleashed upon the earth. Right? It's already here. It may not be in here. Right? I may not have the manifest, the, the experience of the Holy Spirit because it's not welcome into my heart. Does that make sense? Right? And so our hearts have become an inhospitable place for the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of the thorns right? Because it's crowded out by all of the other stuff in our lives. It's so noisy. So we want the Holy Spirit to be welcome here to come flood this place. Not just this place. I know there's people who talk about like the Holy Spirit coming down and whatever. I'm not here to debate that kind of theology. I'm here to talk about to flood this place, this heart, this life, and change the atmosphere that's within here. Change the soil, right? Clear out that junk that is in there. And we need to learn how to do that. How? So this is the thing, friends. There's maybe some of you who, like, you've been nodding your head so long, you're like, yeah, Pastor Steve, that sounds good. That sounds good. I just don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, like, it sounds good, right? But this kind of message, I think it's way more important that we get practical. And so what I want to do today is I want to teach you one thing. One very, very simple practice. And, and I think it'll be super practical. It might seem a little too easy, but I'm, I, I'm going I'm to try to explain why it's harder than you think, right? So what I have come to find as, um, for me, I have become very interested in the soul 
and in my spiritual life. Because I shared this with you, with you all a couple weeks ago. There was a time in my life very recently where I realized how shallow my soul has been. And it has been my heart's cry. I want to go deeper. Holy Spirit, I want you to go deeper. And so I realized that there's this whole area of Christian knowledge and practice called spiritual disciplines. And for me, I just was so bad at it. I just didn't know how to do it. I'm not a very disciplined person naturally, right? And so I just never was really able to do it. But when I realized the poverty within my soul, I was like, I need to learn. Right? And so I started to become a sponge. I started to like read every book I could. I started to just try to find out and talk to other Christians and pastors who I knew, like, hey, who should I be reading? And listening to podcasts and you know, reading the Bible and all of these different things that relate to all of these spiritual disciplines. And what I've come to find is that there's pretty much a consensus about the soil, right? What is the foundation? What is the foundational stuff where the spirit can grow? And it almost... Like, like unanimously, what they say is you need two things. The foundation of all spiritual disciplines starts with silence and solitude. And again, friends, <laughs> this is not about doing. It's the exact opposite. It's not doing. It's learning to be still, right? Learning to get away. Why? Because, friends, we already said, we're, our world is so noisy. There's so many distractions. We can't hear the Holy Spirit. We, don't, we aren't providing the room for the Holy Spirit to go down deep because there's always people around us and we're always moving and we always feel like there's something going on and our minds are so busy with so many different things that we feel like we have to do. And for some of you, some of you are like, Pastor Steve, I'm really not that busy. I'm actually kind of lazy. And I would argue you're reverse busy. You're busy running from the things that you think you should be doing. So you're still running, you're still moving, you're still not still, right? And so we got to learn how to do that. What is solitude? And it just sounds like being alone, right? Um, But this is a definition that I thought was kind of helpful. A solitude is a state in which your mind is free from input from other minds, right? And so if you are able to do that, then there is one input that you can receive, and that is the Holy Spirit, right? So you're removing all the other inputs, right? You're turning down all of their dials, right? And if you're trying to hear, you know, someone talk to you, and you got your AirPods in, and you're listening to a podcast, and then at the same time, you're watching a video, and at the same time, a stereo's going on, you can't hear what they're saying, especially if that voice is quieter. And we know that the voice of God is like a still, small voice, Right? And so what you got to do is you got to turn down the frequency, the volume of all of those other things so that you can hear, right? So you can be free of those other uh, uh, inputs. And, you know, it's very interesting uh, that Cal Newport wrote this book about uh, digital minimalism. He's talking about how noisy our world is, uh, not just with actual noise, but with all the distractions and with all of the, you know, things on our phones and all the dings and alerts and social media and all these different things. And so he talked about this, this state that he thinks a lot of us are in. And he thinks it's really bad for us. It's bad for our minds. It's bad for our souls. And it's something he calls solitude deprivation. He says it's a state in which you spend close to zero time alone with your own thoughts and free from input from other minds. Is that true? Has that been true for you? 
Do you spend almost zero time just being alone with your thoughts? How many of you, the moment you get into a car, the moment you're walking to class, the moment that no one's talking to you, you're like, AirPods, music, podcast, right? You need something going on. That moment of silence is excruciating. It's painful. You hate it. You just start squirming. You feel like you're in pain, right? And so we're really, really bad at it. We don't know how to be alone. Blaise Pascal once famously said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Is that true? We don't know how to be alone. We don't need to be, know how to be still. If we don't know how to be alone, if we don't know how to be still, how is the spirit of Christ going to come clearly and deeply into our lives? I just would argue so many things are crowding it out. And friends, I just want to emphasize how bad we are at it so when you see the solution and you see how elementary it is, you'll understand why we need to do this. I saw this study. I shared this before in LGM, but I wanted to share it again because I think it's so hilarious that uh, there was a study that came out in, in uh, I believe it was in science uh, back in 2014. And there was this study that they did, and they actually stumbled upon this by accident because they thought that people were so busy and so tired that they would appreciate some time to be still with their thoughts. And they thought, like, great things were going to happen. People were going to be, like, super creative. They gave people, like, 15 minutes alone to be with their thoughts. And people hated it. They were in agony. And just so for fun, they're like, okay, people hate this so much. What if we gave them something to do, but it was something painful? And so what they did was they put a buzzer in the center of the room, and they could administer an electric shock to themselves instead of being alone with their thoughts. And what they found is most people did it. By the way, by most people, I mean most men. So 67% of all the men shocked themselves at least once. 25% of the women did it. Now, some people are like, yeah, women, go women. But still, 25%? One out of four was like, I'd rather shock myself than be still with my thoughts. It's crazy. And they said that, uh, (laughs) they said it was an average of one and a half shocks if they took out the one outlier. They had to take it out because it ruined all the rest of the results. It skewed the average too much. There's one guy who shocked himself 190 times. What? Guys, what's wrong with us? We don't know how to be still. We don't know how to be silent, right? And, and, and this is what Cal Newport said. He said, the urge to check Twitter or refresh Reddit becomes a nervous twitch that shatters uninterrupted time into shards too small to support the presence necessary for an intentional life, right? Man, I, I got to tell you, probably the most dangerous app for me is Instagram. Man, they know what they're doing. When, when, when I'm on Instagram, like, I guess people call it doom scrolling, right? You're just, like, refreshing it over and over. I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. But, dude, they know what they're doing, man. And, and, again, I know all these things. I teach all these things. And if I open Instagram, maybe that's why they call it doom scrolling. I'm doomed for the next, like, 20 minutes, you know? I'm just, like, watching all these videos and, like, ah, ha, cats, <laughs> You know, and before you know it, you just get sucked down the rabbit hole. And there's so many times, it it, it becomes a crutch for us. Whenever we get bored, distracted, uncomfortable, stressed, tired, that many of us, we just, just go like this, right? We just whip it out, right? Without even thinking. 
and you see people, and you know this is true, right? You look around in class. Before class starts, everyone's looking at their phones. On the way to class, everyone's looking at this. They're crossing the road, and there's dangerous death machines going at 50 miles an hour, and they're on their phones, and they don't care. They'd rather look at their phones, right? And this is the world we live in. We're just constantly distracted. And I wonder if we have learned that silence is painful. Solitude? Mm. I would rather be in physical pain than have the pain of just being alone with my thoughts. What is going on? We cannot grow spiritually in that atmosphere. Friends, I I, got to tell you, there was a time, um, and this was hundreds of years ago. Um, It was like a really long time ago, like 1,800 years ago, there were these people, uh, and their world started getting more complex, right? Uh, And, you know, people were starting to get more wealth, and and people were were just much more uh, focused on that, making money, and, you know, living the good life, and a lot of the wars that were going on were starting to cease, and so they were more in peacetime. And so people realized that spiritually, they were just started to become so poor, Their spiritual life became so meager. The church started to become so institutionalized that people really had this hunger. They're like, man, this world is so noisy, so distracting. We got to go out into the desert. There are these early mothers and fathers of the church who would just go out in the desert and start praying, right? And this started as early as like 200 years after Christ, right? And they just started like, they're like, I just want to pray. I just want to be with the Lord. I'd rather forsake everything else I just need to get alone with the Lord. And so that's what they did. And eventually, they kept bumping into each other. They're like, I'm kind of hungry. You kind of hungry? Hey, let's go find a place together. And they started monasteries and stuff like that, right? And that's how, like, monks and nuns got started is because there's this movement to get away from this busy pace of life. And guys, that was like 200 (laughs) AD, right? They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have the internet. Right? They didn't have constant communication with the entire world. They didn't have the 24-hour news cycle telling you about the latest crisis at a moment's notice. And you don't even just have to carry the burdens of your immediate neighborhood, but you can carry the burdens of the entire world. It's too much. And for them, they're like, oh, this is too much. We got to get away. What about us? Dude, we got to get away. We got to learn how to do it. But friends, I already told you, we'd rather get shocked with electric shocks. I tell this story sometimes. Uh, I'm sorry for those of you who have been a part of LGM for a long time. We tried a a, a time where I think we did 10 minutes of silence at LGM. 10 minutes. And during that time, um, I've never seen so many people get up to use the restroom. Like everyone at the same time just had to use the restroom. And... Honestly, I think it's because we just couldn't sit still. Like, like just the silence, it, it, it was so uncomfortable. You know, and again, I'm not blaming anyone. I get it. When I started in my spiritual journey, I was, it was so hard. It was so hard to be still. The, the thing that always got me was this feeling of like, I just felt like the world was passing me by, and I just felt like I was getting further behind, right? And it was this weird feeling of like, Dude, I can't afford to be still for this 10 minutes or this 15 minutes or however long it was, 
right? I'm like, dude, this is such a waste of time. And it's so crazy because I'll sit there being distracted on Instagram for 15, 20 minutes at a time. That doesn't seem to bother me. It bothers me afterwards. But while I'm doing it, it's not bothering me, right? Because I'm distracted. I'm indisposed, right? And I'm kind of like a little entertained or a little, you know, uh, just into my doom scrolling or whatever. But when, when you're still and you're just with God, you're exposed. And you're just alone with your thoughts, And your anxieties will be like, what are we doing? Silence is deadly. Come on, let's go do something. Get on your phone. Get on your phone. Get on your phone. Get on your phone. And you're like, ha, ha, ha. And you're like, Pastor Steve, I can't do it. Silence is too hard. Friends, I I think we need to learn how to do it. And so this is what I propose. I got this from John Eldridge. uh, That It was in a book. I believe it's called Get Your Life Back. And he proposes that we learn how to do a one-minute pause. Okay, so this is the practical thing. This is what I want to teach you. Just pause one minute at a time. And when you do that pause, right, it is about creating that room for the Holy Spirit to work in your life, right? That's all it is. You're just making room. You're just clearing out some of the pebbles, right? You're you're chopping down some of the weeds so that the, 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 the seed can just go a little bit further. The Holy Spirit will have a little bit of room to work. One minute at a time. I know it doesn't seem much, but it can be really powerful. And so John Eldridge, uh, he suggested that you use this prayer. You can have a similar one. It doesn't have to be the same thing. But I, I, I've, I've been using it, and, and I think it, it just gets to the heart of the matter. And so just during that time, you know, you can take a deep breath. You know, you can close your eyes if you want to. Just take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth, and just say, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And you can just keep repeating that. Just be still for a moment. If you start getting distracted, if you find um, that you've gone down a rabbit hole of thinking, right, either just say Jesus to bring you back, or you can repeat the prayer. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Right? We're removing the pebbles. We're, We're clearing the thorns, and we're giving them to Jesus. One minute at a time. For one minute, Jesus, I'm all yours. What about the 23 hours and 59 minutes? We'll get there, but we got to start somewhere, right? So just one minute at a time. When can you do this? I think there's a lot of different times you can do this. Um, Do it whenever you feel stressed, anxious, fearful, frazzled, distracted, or overwhelmed. It's going to be really hard in those moments, and you may not feel it, but if you learn how to do it, you might say the words, you may not mean them, but just... The act of in obedience, being still before God, you know, um, and just saying, right, you take a deep breath. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Just stop. Just stop whatever you're doing. Your mind is going to be hard at work, hard at work doing the nothing it always does, right? Just running in circles, right? Just, just like chewing on the problem, just playing it over in your mind or telling you how stupid you are or telling you you should run, telling you you should, you should quit school, that you should quit your job, that you should quit your family, that you should just, just do something fun, just do something to distract yourself, take that substance, whatever. It's just telling you something that's not helpful. Just for a moment, just, Jesus, I give you everyone and everything. I give it all to you. When else can you do it? You can schedule it, friends. Right? Like if you know, just beginning of your day, before you get to work, before you get to school, the moment you wake up, just take one minute. 
Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. You can just do it randomly whenever it strikes you to do it, while you're walking to class, when you have a free moment, when you're just happen to think about the message. Hey, you know what? I have one minute right now. Let's just do it right now. And just practice giving that room to Jesus. Now, friends, it can be more than a minute, but I'm just saying start with a minute. If you're enjoying it so much, go longer, right? I have found that the rhythm that you want to kind of aim for It's just tried and true. There's nothing magic about this, nothing in the Bible, but I just heard from a lot of people that in one setting of silence and solitude, about 20 minutes is the sweet spot that I've heard. It can be a little bit more, a little bit less. Some people go 30 minutes, some people go an hour, right? But I found for me the sweet spot is about 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, and, And, you know, 20 minutes of just uninterrupted silence. And you can build some other things in there. You can build prayer, you can build praise, right? You can build scripture, right? But to just start as the foundation with that silence, surrendering that time to the Lord. What do you guys think? Is that something that you think could be helpful for you? The one-minute pause. So, friends, I want to get practical. Can we do it right now? Can we just take one minute, do a one-minute pause? What do you think? Yeah? Okay. All right, let's try. So, friends, uh, this is another thing. Uh, There are elements that you can add to it. We have freedom in Christ, right? This is not in the Bible. This is just wisdom that people have learned, right? So one thing that people do, uh, if this is helpful, is pair your breath to what we're doing. And so um, there's a guy, Richard Foster, uh, who's a a Quaker pastor um, who has written a lot about spiritual disciplines. And one of the things that he talks about is the prayer of surrender. And he talks about this palms down and palms up prayer. So palms down is you surrendering, you giving the things to God. So you could do this. You could pair it with a prayer. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. It's like you're letting go, right? You're just like, right? You let it go. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And then there's a second part where the palms up, where you receive the Holy Spirit. So you could say, come, Jesus, come. You know, Jesus, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Whatever you want to do. And you could pair it with your breath on the out breath, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And on the in-breath, in through your nose, Holy Spirit, come. If you want to do it that way, you can just simply just take one minute. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Just repeat it as often as you need to. Just be still. If, If you can, you can just say those words and then pause. But if the thoughts come back, if you get distracted, if you find yourself getting sleepy, You know, maybe just open your eyes for a second, and then you can close them again if you want to, and just repeat it. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. So let's try that right now. Um, I'm going to set the timer one minute. That's it. We're just going to do one minute. All right, you guys ready? All right. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you.
Christian, can you come up? God, we thank you, Lord, so much that you want to be with us. And God, it's just so refreshing to be reminded that we're not the ones who have to make the growth happen. All we need to do is get out of your way. All we need to do is tend that garden a bit, clear those rocks, clear those thorns, and give you a straight path into our hearts, into the depths of our very souls. And so, God, when we feel stressed or anxious or fearful or distracted or overwhelmed, teach us, Lord, to turn to you. Teach us, Lord, to turn to you in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon. Teach us to turn to you when things are going well. Teach us to turn to you when we're bored. Teach us to turn to you when we're happy, when we're sad, when, when we're struggling. In every season that we may learn to be open to you and your spirit, Holy Spirit, come. You are welcome here. We thank you, God, that you desire to work. And may you make that work happen in your timing. May you bear fruit in season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.